Help support your local businesses. Whether they're your corner stores, your coffee spots, or your favorite shops, local businesses have always been on your team supporting you and your community. They remember your order and call you by name. Always giving back, making a difference, and going that extra mile. But right now, more than ever, local businesses need our support. So let's be there for them. The next time you go shopping, help your team score and choose to shop at local businesses. And while you're there, look for the contactless symbol and tap to pay with a contactless visa to help support your community. Because where and how you shop matters. Visa, everywhere you want to be. Official partner of the NFL. that time jersey friends fellow countrymen we've made it to monday night week it's not it's not oh. monday night i guess but it's it's the week it's not even that week yet i get that starts on my, we're a few days away from chiefs ravens <laughs> that's, that's right it. that's the tweet and it's also the beginning of this episode of Times Ours right here on The Athletic. Joshua Briscoe, that's me. Nate Taylor, you heard him first. Seth Kaiser, you hear him in a second. And today, a very special guest joining us in just a little bit, as we will be joined by one of the new uh, uh, stars. Yeah, I'm, I'll say it. One of the new stars yeah. of the Monday Night Football booth. Uh, Lewis Riddick, who is as plugged into the Chiefs just by anybody you'll find. Really excited to talk to Lewis. We'll have him on here in just a little bit here on Time Zars. Uh, I'm looking forward to that very much. And, uh, but I'm also looking forward to just talking about Chiefs Ravens with my good friends, Nate and Seth. And I don't want to look, I don't want to overlook you guys just because we have the shiny new thing coming up in a few minutes. Let me just set the mood. Set okay? it. Let me, let me paint, let me I'm paint. I'm lighting candles. Picture, okay. Josh, I hope you've seen this movie. Okay. There's one of the great comedies of all time. And I'm going to connect it. And you're going to be like, how, Nate? But I'm going to connect it. This is this is one of the best comedic scenes of my life. It's in the movie Zoolander. Mm. Okay? I'm already sold. So, at one point, you know, there was a guy named Derek Zoolander who was the top guy. And, you know, for whatever reason, there was another incredibly handsome <laughs> Incredibly talented. So hot right now. Young man coming through the ranks whose also name is Lamar Jackson. (laughs) And at one point, they stared into each other's eyes in a Brooklyn street. And as men do with their egos, they challenged one another. And my man Billy Zane is me. (laughs) Okay? It's a walk-off. It's a walk-off. It's a (laughs) walk-off. It's a walk-off. Seth, it's a walk Seth, you and I, okay. you and I have to talk to Lewis Riddick by ourselves. <laughs> yeah. Whoa, whoa. I will have no Zoolander slander. Oh, that, ooh, that came out good. No Zoolander slander on this show. Because Zoolander is one of the greatest movies, I'm not going to say of all time, because it's so obvious that it's one of the greatest movies of all time. So obvious. Oh, yes, my man. Put a cork in it, Zane. That whole thing. You're hanging out with all your cool friends. What are you talking about? You're sitting there with Billy Zane. It's just... <laughs> it's Billy Zane. Look, it's Andy Reid, Eric Bieniemy, and Patrick Mahomes on one side. On the other side, it's John Harbaugh, Greg Roman, and Lamar Jackson. It's a walk-off. It's a walk-off. Guys, we're going to see plays we're going to see formations. Oh. We're going to see scheming it up. I mean, 
Good Lord, I hope it's the 2018 version of Chiefs Rams. I mean, come on. It's a walk-off. I don't care about week four. Hell, I don't care about week 17. Put all the plays out now. Put all the tape on it. Like, it's a walk-off. One time, coming down the runway, it's Patrick Mahomes doing God knows what. And then the next time will be Lamar Jackson doing something that is physically hard to do. (laughs) And... You know, we're just going to see who wins it. Who can cut themselves and still get out on that runway and put on the show? <laughs> you got to cut it. You got to cut it. Oh, my goodness. So many unbelievable references. <laughs> uh, hey, uh, guys. <clears throat> oh, hey, Josh. Uh, Zeuslander. Ooh. <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. Oh. This is, this is Man, boy, did you! It's the way that it is. You holstered that one early too. <laughs> oh man, that's you know. Gosh, oh my gosh. Well, let's talk about you. Know, let's talk about some. How about we talk about some football things? I have not seen the film. Um, no. I was I was like seven when it came out, so I'm still catching up. You would enjoy yeah, you you would enjoy. You know what would help you with that, Josh? Orange Mocha Frappuccino! <laughs> oh, is that a funny reference from the film we're discussing? Yes, it really was. My yeah. references are out of control. Um, that's a re- Hey, that's a reference to a different thing that I've maybe seen. I can't remember. Oh, uh, I don't know. Yeah, I don't either. know at this point. I'm, I'm in too deep at this point. I gotta be pulled out at this point. This Is, is that a reference to something? Is this a, like an Ace Ventura thing? Or... <laughs> <laughs> that seems like an Ace Ventura. Does, no, right? I'm done. I'm just being me right now, Josh. Is that was that a quote from a famous film that I have not seen? It's gonna be me. We've, that's a we've, that's a song. We've we've moved on. That's a now song. To, it's yeah, gonna be now me we're doing other pop culture references. Okay. A rose by any other name. I don't know. Excellent. Uh, very good. Well, <laughs> on that excellent note, uh, we will talk very, very much about Chiefs Ravens, both with the help of Lewis Riddick and, and on our own. Um, but right now, you guys have both written some things. And Seth, you went really deep into, into something we kind of touched on a little bit on the last episode. Uh, looking back at, at Chiefs Chargers, which now feels like a lifetime ago, but we still have a little time before we get to uh, to uh, Chiefs and, uh, and Ravens. So, I, I want to dig in on what you wrote about. It, it, it's one of the main things in your piece up on The Athletic right now. You also dug into it even a little more in the Chief of the North newsletter, which people can check out also just by going through your Twitter. They'll find it there. There are links and all that. But that's something else Seth's working on. It's been really, really great to just get even more work there and uh, kind of be able to dig in a little bit more. But so with with all of that out there, you you really did dig in on, you know, how much of the pressure against the Chargers was because of the Chiefs offensive line play. To some extent, how much of it was because of the Chargers pass rush. We can kind of, you know, see if you think that's replicatable from the Ravens perspective. And then, uh, you know, how much of it was on Mahomes maybe drifting back too far and, you went through the whole thing. You counted out blame snaps and, and the whole deal. So specifically in the pressure and pocket aspect, what did you see there? Absolutely. So look, this isn't to take anything away from the Chargers who had a really good game plan. They defended the Chiefs routes insanely well. Gus Bradley and Anthony Lynn defend the Chiefs route combinations better than literally anyone. Year after year now, this is a couple years in a row, they have they have done a great job. 
But some of the pressure, so last year this happened too at times. Every now and then, Mahomes will have a game where for a little while, whether it's the pressure getting to him, whether it's, you know, whatever it is, where he'll start drifting back too far in the pocket. You know, he'll take the snap and he's usually in the shotgun anyway. So it's something that people need to understand. You want to be between seven to nine yards back from the line of scrimmage when you drop back as a quarterback. Whether you're talking seven step, you know, five step, three step, that does change things, but not out of the shotgun. You're not taking a shotgun snap and then drifting back another 10 yards, right? Mm -hmm. The reason for that is because it alters the angles that edge rushers need to use. So, you know, we talk about bend all the time with pass rushers, right? Mm -hmm. And one of the reasons is because it's really hard to bend around the edge and get to the quarterback. If you back up an extra two or three yards, they don't have to bend around the edge to you. They can just sprint right at you, and they're already rushing half a man, which is the goal of edge rushers. You want to get to half a man so you can get around them. And so it's important to keep that in mind. So I charted, and you can find this in the Chief of North Newsletter, this portion. Twelve of the pressures that I charted out of 20 were on offensive line failure. Seven of them, though, were due to Mahomes' movement. And contrary to popular belief, he wasn't just drifting back on snaps where the interior line failed. Mm-hmm. These seven pressures, these were ones where he had a pocket. And there were a couple big plays too. And this brings me to the film review at The Athletic. On, on an early drive, he had Hill and Kelsey open down the field. At least they were coming open. That would have been a huge play. You're talking 30, 40 chunk, yard, chunk yardage play, maybe a touchdown even. As they were coming out with with a basically a corner post and then a crosser by Kelsey, and he didn't take advantage of the open pocket, and so he got affected as he released the ball. And I think him and Kelsey made a different sight adjustment, and it fell incomplete. Things like that, the Chiefs kind of hurt themselves against the pass rush. And while the Chargers deserve a ton of credit for making a lot of the snaps hard, let me just tell you when you go back and look at the film. As much credit as the Chargers deserve, the Chiefs also shot themselves in the foot just as often. And it's worth noting the moment they stopped doing that, they started scoring and moving the ball. Yeah. You don't say. You don't <laughs> say that. Uh, you don't say that there, Seth. What? What? No. What? <laughs> I just thought Joey Bosa was, like, incredible for four quarters and then got tired. Yeah, they just got tired. Just... And look, that's a real thing. You know, pass rush gets tired. But really, just watch the fourth quarter in overtime when Mahomes was like, well, I've had enough of this crap. <laughs> and he just – and he just – he started playing more like himself. I mean, outside the, the throw to Hill, which obviously was just freakish, which is kind of like himself. But watch how far he's dropping back. Watch whether it's 10 plus yards. You only saw that happen one time in the fourth quarter in overtime. And so if you're wondering, man, all of a sudden he's hitting, you know, Hardman and Watkins and Kelsey on these shorter routes or some of these intermediate routes. Some of those were there earlier in the game and it was either due to pressure or on a few plays because of his own stuff. And so, (laughs) so Nate, I'm blowing your mind here. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, do you have any? Do you have any concern at all, though, Seth? Like to be like, like, like. Hey, if we could just, can we, if we could all just, you know, we all, we've all a lot of fun around here. But uh, if we could just get serious for a second here, Seth, you don't mind? Do you have any concern at all about that being replicable, or or the, or even just like the being off, having some early mistakes, being a, a legit issue? Because I do think that we've seen like a few instances of like, oh, Chiefs are kind of starting a little slow here for one reason or another. Like, is that? It, uh, one to ten on a scale of one to ten, do you have what's your concern level on on the the unforced errors at the beginning of games? Um, I guess I it wasn't that long ago that we were talking about the fact that the Chiefs 
are so great at the beginning of games that they jump out in front. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. I mean, they, yep. were, they were good against the Texans early. Um, and so I think we've got a little bit of playoff hangover against some teams that did a pretty good job. And so I, I'm not too worried about it. I do think that there's obviously kinks to work out. There always will be. And that's why it's great to have a perfectionist like Mahomes as the quarterback. It could be replicated for sure. Do I think it'll happen to Mahomes two games in a row? Probably not. Hmm. Um, do I think Schwartz and Fisher will have back-to-back tough games? Well, no, partly because the edge rushers they're facing aren't as good, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Baltimore, outside of Calius Campbell, um, they're more a scheme-based pressure. And yep. And I think the Chiefs they go they're gonna bring they, it. Oh, they're they gonna, gonna bring, bring it. it. And that's where I think Kalechi Asameli is gonna come in handy because he's done really well against stunts, twists, and stuff. So it's really gonna be a game of, you know, can Ryder and Wiley hold it together? Especially Wiley, because he struggled against <laughs> he struggled. And it wasn't as bad as the narrative still. But you know, look, Mahomes is great. He's the best quarterback in the NFL, but that doesn't mean he didn't share some blame against the Chargers. And there's a reason why the offense started getting it together later. He just started playing like himself again. Um, with one other thing that I mean, you talked about like the, the the Chargers defense being able to take away some options and everything, and this is all throughout the story as well. But whenever you talk about it and you wrote about like them taking away Mahomes' first reads and then also the screen game not really being something they could rely on, um, I again I, I I'm just sort of curious if you think that's all Chargers specific or if that's familiar defense specific, if that's great talent specific, just sort of what you even. Like you, you show it all in the article, which people should go check out, obviously. Um, but I'm, I'm interested even kind of beyond that level. If it's something that you think, do you think teams could, could do with, with what, with what specific set of circumstances, I guess? Uh, uh, teams can try. Um, the problem is you need, you need great pass rushers and not just a couple of edges. You need guy, you need a guy like Tillery or say to look at the San Francisco game a guy like uh, Buckner mm-hmm. who can really cause them some problems on the inside okay or you need to have a tremendous pass rush scheme which by the way that has stopped bothering Mahomes as much mm. like it, this isn't 2018 anymore where like mm-hmm. the the Patriots blitz scheme is kind of confusing him it's like no watch the protections he's calling out they're generally really good including when the when the Chargers tried to blitz um so if you've got a great front four that can rush really well and a really talented secondary that covers really well that are also really well coached so they don't bite into like some of the screens and some of those things they stay really disciplined on that then yeah you can really make them work for it the problem is even with all those things once the Chiefs and Mahomes really stop making their own mistakes they still move the ball it's just not quite as much as it's not as much as against other teams. So it can be done, but you need a tremendous amount of talent. You need great coaching, a great game plan, and it needs to be executed really well. You basically gotta be perfect mm-hmm. because it's a it's a it's a line from a great movie that you haven't seen, Josh, called Heat. It's got De Niro and Pacino. And De <laughs> Niro and Yes. Who else? Yeah. Yes. Um, there's a great scene there where, where the De Niro's character, who's the bank robber of sorts, that's a great disgrace to a wonderful character, is being told about Pacino's cop character who's chasing him. He said, this guy can, can, can shoot and miss. You can't miss once. And that's the difference with the Chiefs offense. They can mm. shoot and miss a few times. Yeah. Defenses cannot miss once. Or otherwise, Tyreek Hill is flying into the end zone. Yeah. Nate, anything? Yeah, we- go ahead. Yeah, and I would say, too, you know, if Sammy Watkins doesn't play, 
on Monday because he is still in the concussion protocol. Mm. Let's not forget, McCole Hartman is also fast. Yes. And they really haven't ran plays where he is clearly the primary receiver, if that makes yeah. sense. Um, so if the protection holds up and you know they're blitzing and you, all you got to do is get the ball out in good enough time to get the receiver to have a chance, you know, maybe that maybe that's one of those swing plays where it can go either way. Um, but no, I, I think, you know, the offensive line is an important part. I know at some point we have to mention the Chiefs defense, and this is the story that's going to be in the Athletic on Friday. Uh, you probably can read it by now if you're listening. Josh, can I explain to you what a defense is supposed to do when the ball carrier has the I would, ball? Yes, I would. Yes, please do. You know, usually you put your eyes on that mm-hmm. player. You pursue yeah. him. You collectively put your hands yes. on him. Two hands mm-hmm. with a shoulder mm-hmm. into their, you know, midsection, legs, maybe even high if you have to right. do it. And then you're supposed to put that player onto the ground gently so that you don't get fined by the NFL, right. but good enough that their momentum has stopped. All right. So hold on. So I was with you all the way. I Sorry. I Let me speak it just real quick. I hate to do this in the pocket. I was, so I got like the touch, you know, grab, try to that whole thing. And then what was the next thing that you're supposed to do after that? Once you've got, so I've got, let's just say for kicks, like I got Hunter Henry, like in the grasp, right now. What yep. do I do? Mm-hmm. You're supposed to tackle him. Josh. Oh, I got to watch non-Chiefs games this week, I guess. I got to watch some Red Zone. So, fortunately, I've done the legwork, kids. Um, <laughs> do you want to guess how many missed tackles, to my eyes, the Chiefs had against the Chargers on, on Sunday? Oh, gosh. <sighs> this is going to matter, kids. I'm going to say it. This is going to matter. I bet you it, it, it's, it's double digits easily. Yes, we're yeah. in the double digits. Uh, 13. I'm going to say 14. We're playing Price is Right rules. Bing, 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 bing. Josh yes! is right. It is 14 missed tackles. Now, on the on the Chargers touchdown drive in the second half, Derek Nottie missed a tackle. This is all on one drive. Derek Nottie missed a tackle. Juan Thornhill missed a tackle. Ben Neiman missed a tackle. Tyron Matthew, surprisingly, missed a tackle mm-hmm. in the open field. And Chris Jones also missed a tackle. And that was ever before Justin Herbert threw his touchdown pass, which was, again, a very nice touchdown pass. Little issue there with, with, with fitting in the back end, but hey, tip your hat to Justin Herbert. All of that is to say is, then this morning, I looked at the 2019 Week 3 <laughs> Chiefs-Ravens game. Oh, gosh. Now, continuity being a plus for the Chiefs defense. Hey, they were just starting to feel themselves. They were just starting to understand the calls coming out of Steve Spagnuolo's mouth. Um, I will tell you this. There were three players that played really well against the Ravens in that game. One is Tyron Matthew. Hey, he's still on the team. He's still really good. He's still healthy. Number two was um, Bashad Breland. Played really, really well. Problem is, he's still suspended, (laughs) y'all. The third best player, to my eyes, from start to finish of that Ravens game that the Chiefs had to kind of like, you know, just hang on, uh, was Juan Thornhill. Who, by the way, kids... Still coming off that ACL injury. Doesn't look, doesn't quite look the same as he did on film last year against the Ravens. So all of that is to say, um, there could be some issues. Now, Josh and Seth, how many missed tackles were in the Ravens game in week three of 2019? Because let me tell you, folks, it's high. It's more than, I was going to just say 14 again. Seth, you can say 15 and then win. I'm going to go with 17. 
Um, to my calculations, they had 21 oh, Holy oh. crap! Oh, the I'm a... Now, most... <laughs> now, most people can remember that, you know, Lamar Jackson scrambled around enough to get two deep passes that really shouldn't have been completions. Mm-hmm. But, like, hey, tip your cap to uh, <laughs> Sneed. Tip your cap to, uh, to Mr. Brown. And, obviously, to Lamar Jackson. Um... Of course, there's that touchdown late in the fourth quarter where um, Lamar Jackson not broke one, not two, but he broke three tackles before he got into the end zone. All of this is to say, if the Chiefs don't play well on defense, it won't necessarily be because of scheme. It won't necessarily be because they were getting punished at the line of scrimmage, which could happen still. It might be because they can't tackle the Ravens, okay? Um, (laughs) That is the biggest issue, and... Steve Spagnolo understands it enough to where that was the entire Tuesday film practice, guys. The whole film session on Tuesday was, all right, we got to tackle these guys. And um, I'm checking the stats here in the film, and they're the hardest team to tackle not named the Kansas City Chiefs. Man. But, hey, you know you know who's back, though? Yeah. Big Mike. <laughs> Pennell. Right on time. The yeah, Big Mike thing fell apart in front of me. Yeah, you've, you know, listen, nobody bats a thousand. Nope. Except Big Mike Pinnell against the run. I, that That's just a low-key, like, I wish they had Breland back. That's going to be really important and tough. But Mike being back hopefully should help some of these interior line issues because they really made Austin Eckler look. And Austin Eckler's good. Mm-hmm. He's very good. But they made him look better. Mm-hmm. On that note, Nate, do you have anything on Chavarius Ward? I know he was limited in practice today. They've got time, considering it's he's, Friday. He's got, yeah, I, I, I expect that he will travel, and I expect that he will try. So it might be a game-time situation. Um, he had a – now, look, because of COVID, completely understandable. They don't let me get anywhere near these guys on the field. Mm-hmm. So I'm looking at a distance. He has some pad on his, on his left hand. It kind of looks similar, although I know it's more padded. Um, based on my understanding, but it looks similar to like what Whit Merrifield uses. Yeah, like uh, sliding glasses. Yeah. Yes, he looked like kind of like a mini oven mitt, but like at the same time, I know that there's more padding there than on a traditional MLB player. You know, trying to steal second mm-hmm. base. Um, so he's gonna give it a. He's gonna try to give it a go. I expect that he will travel to some degree, or that he will travel with the team. Um, and then it'll be a game time decision. Um, again, you kind of have to look long picture here. Uh. It would be nice if he was on the field. But the fact that Legereus Sneed has played so well um, does give them a little bit of a buffer. The problem is that comes to can Antonio Hamilton, you know, not aggravate his hamstring? Can Rashad Fenton not make mental errors in the back end, mm. particularly in the red zone? Mm. Um, and, you know, how do you feel about Bo Peep Keys if one of those three guys gets injured? Um, so, hey, maybe they, maybe they say, look, uh, you're as protected as you can be. Don't do anything crazy, but like you know, just be technique sound. Uh, if you miss a tackle, we'll we'll it's we'll, fine. We'll, yeah. we'll we'll take yeah. that. Yeah. <laughs> but everybody else on the field needs to tackle. Um, and so if he plays, great. If he doesn't, um, it's completely understandable. If he if he is just a body, honestly, that is a plus for the Chiefs as long as he doesn't like get hurt elsewhere. Um, but I think that 
there's probably more of a chance, ironically, that Sammy Watkins plays on Monday night just because Andy Reid sort of said he's he's getting to the final phase of the concussion protocol than even Traverius Ward because you're you're just in week three and you got to think long term on this. Are we are we at our peace now? Are we good? Are we have we said what we need to say before we get to Lewis Riddick? I'm good. You don't sound that good. You okay? Bring on the man, Seth. You, you didn't sound like you meant that. Oh no, I am. I'm just. Uh, I'm. I'm looking at stuff. Did you want me to be paying attention this time? No. You, you know what? I actually didn't, <laughs> Seth, because I know. What, I know what you're doing right now. I know what you're looking at. You want me to tell everybody what you're looking at? I know what you're looking at. What am I looking at? You're at magicspoon.com. I need to tell you about one of the most magical experiences I've had in a very long time. I mentioned this last episode. I'll mention it again. Have you ever opened your, your door to see there's a package on the step? It doesn't have a big Amazon logo on anything like that. No. Now you open the door, and what's that? It says cereal. Yeah, that's right. That happened to me a few days ago, and it was an absolute, absolute delight. And so is Magic Spoon, the cereal that was within it. Uh, Nate, I'm, I'm going to come to you for a, a quick uh, flavor uh, oh, grading yeah. here. I, grading is probably mm-hmm. harsh, but I want, I want to hear what your last week with Magic Spoon has been like. But first, let me tell you what it is. Magic Spoon is a cereal that you can eat without immediately feeling bad, both physically and mentally, that you let yourself down by snorting a a big pile of powdered sugar. No, that's not the case with Magic Spoon. Magic Spoon, and go to magicspoon.com to check it out. In fact, you go to magicspoon.com slash time. More on that in a moment. You can go check it out. It is a cereal with zero sugar, 11 grams of protein, and only three net grams of carbs in each serving. They come in four flavors right now. You got your cocoa, you got your fruity, you got your frosted, and you've got your blueberry. It tastes great, and it seems too good to be true by also being keto-friendly, gluten-free, grain-free, soy-free, low-carb, and GMO-free. Again, they're they're all they're all little they're all little like uh, little loops. So I'm not gonna tell you what the fruity one might taste like because frankly I haven't had it yet. I have had the cocoa and the blueberry, and I've got I've got strategies for eating this cereal. The cocoa so far that's my one seed still. Blueberry gave it a shot. Yep. Cocoa's hard to beat though. It it's just yep. it's wonderful. The blueberry. I, here's something. Here's a dirty little secret, Nate. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if anyone knows this. I'm not a big milk guy, just sort of in general. Not my favorite. You know what I like on my cereal? I like kefir. It's like the midway point between yogurt and milk, and you oh. can get it like a different flavor or whatever. But it also here's the thing. It's got a little twinge of sweetness because I'm you know, I'm 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 flawed. You know, I'm a flaw. I'm a fallen human being. I don't and believe so, it. What I did, what I did with the little blueberry experience is I, I did that blueberry cereal and a little bit of that blueberry kefir in there. It's not bad. It's not the cocoa yet because the cocoa is currently undefeated number one seed. By next episode, I think I'll try the fruity or the frosted. Nate, where are you at right now? What if I told mm. you blueberry jumped over frosted? This Whoa! Week, but cocoa, but cocoa's still number one. I mean, let's let's be real, okay? So, um. People should definitely check out Magic Spoon. We have consumed it a plenty uh, over the last week or so. Uh, uh, Seth, what's your favorite flavor so far? Uh, cocoa. <laughs> <laughs> 
It sounds like you might not have had any, Seth, so I could suggest that you could go to magicspoon.com slash time, as all of our listeners could right now, and grab a variety pack and try it today. Use our promo code TIME at checkout to get free shipping. That knocks out any cost. You're like, well, what's it going to be? What's it actually shipped and everything? The exact same price that it says on the website with the promo code TIME. And Magic Spoon is so confident in their product that it's backed with a 100% happiness guarantee. So if you don't like it for any reason, they'll refund your money, no questions asked. That's magicspoon.com slash time and use the code TIME for free shipping. Thank you, Magic Spoon, for bringing us not only the sponsorship of this podcast, but also for the magic of just seeing cereal appear on my doorstep. Also magical in its own right, getting rid of erectile dysfunction. That's a segue, and I'm a professional. Talking about erectile dysfunction, for some of you, apparently, isn't easy. That's what the copy says. For me, it's just something I do twice a week. You can brush it off or blame yourself and go, oh, I lost my mojo. I don't want to talk about it. I had a long day at work. You know what? This whole conversation, I'm an adult, but I don't want to have this adult conversation. Nate, can you please tell them what we're trying to do here right now? What, What we're trying to help you do at this point. It's not, you should know by now, but if you don't, Yeah, this is just a gentle reminder that we all need to handle our business, and sometimes that's a little lax, but let's let's handle it to the best of our abilities with our good friends who, again, can get you to pay dirt. Listen, if you can't handle your business alone, that we understand. That happens. It happens to a lot of people. So we don't need excuses about all that. I, I don't, I need, I need results in your life for you. And, Talking about erectile dysfunction is easy with Roman, with a real healthcare professional who can prescribe real medication. It's simple, safe, and totally discreet. With Roman, you can get a free online evaluation and ongoing care for ED, all from the comfort and privacy of your home. A healthcare professional will work with you to find the best treatment plan for you. And if medication's appropriate, Roman will ship it to you with free two-day shipping. The whole process is straightforward, simple, and discreet. Getting started is, again, it's so simple. And if this is an issue you have, this is so necessary. I don't know who's listening to this going like, no, you know what? This is a problem I have, but I think I'm just going to live with it. Stop it. Stop. No. Hand- handle your business and go to GetRoman.com slash time and complete an online visit. Erectile dysfunction used to be tough to tackle. Missed tackles happening all over the place. We've already covered that in today's show, but now there's Roman. Ship it to one Arrowhead Drive, I guess. I don't know. I don't. That's. I don't do that. That's a bad idea. Complete an online visit today to connect with a healthcare professional and take care of it. Or, as we would say, handle your business. Go to getroman.com/time today. If approved, you'll get fifteen dollars off your first order of ED treatment. That's getroman.com/time. Getroman.com/time. Last thing for you before we get to Lewis Riddick of ESPN. You're listening to Times Ours. You know that. We are, we are presented by, fueled by The Athletic, which you should already be reading and, and be subscribed to. And if you're not, whatever your reasoning may be, it's about to go away. Cause for a dollar a month, you can now get a part of every sports story that matters. Great work by Nate that's coming up that I guess you may be able to read right now, even though I haven't read it yet. Seth's going through the film, uh, on, on a weekly basis, plus all of the work from all around the network. It all comes to you exclusive in-depth coverage of everything the athletic does. You can now get for a dollar a month. So, 
so, so you can you can go through your sports existence and not miss the exclusive in-depth coverage of this unprecedented sports season. You can subscribe now and save and see for yourself the creativity, the reporting, and the storytelling that sets The Athletic apart. If you go to theathletic.com slash times hours, why did I say it that way? I don't know. Times hours, T-I-M-E-S-O-U-R-S. You can get an all-access subscription for just a dollar a month. Sports are back, and you don't want to miss breaking stories on your favorite teams. So go to theathletic.com slash times ours to receive an all-access subscription for just a dollar a month. We hope to see you there. Very special treat here up against uh, another primetime game for the Chiefs. As we are now joined, we got a fourth person on this show. We are now joined by the originator of the nickname of Ferrari Pat, one of the new voices in ESPN Monday Night uh, Football booth, and arguably, I'd make the case for being the number one reason to tune in to Monday Night's game between the Chiefs and the Ravens, Lewis Riddick with us here on Times Ours. Lewis, thank you for making the time. Well, that was very nice of you to say all that. I appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. Do you consider yourself to be uh, the Patrick Mahomes or Lamar Jackson of Monday Night Football at this point? I know it's really early for you, but I'm I'm willing to make that claim. Yeah, yeah, you. I'll, I'll let you make it. I, I That's won't, fair. I won't make that claim. But I. But I'm. I'm loving life, man. This is a. Uh, this is a pretty sweet job to have, and I can't even really call it a job. This is what we do for a living. Is living is absolute. Uh, it, it's as good as it gets. I'll just put it that way. Well, in the uh, the broadcast so far, I, I've been I've been super impressed. I figured whenever ESPN announced the new team that it would it would be great. Um, but the the chemistry that the three of you guys have kind of out of the gate, I've been impressed with. Also, how has that that the Monday Night Football experience gone for you here? Just a couple weeks in, and like, has anything has anything been harder than you expected it to be? Did anything come more easily throughout that process so far? Well, the cool thing is we we were able to do this last year in 2019 in the opening weekend uh we did the double header out there in oakland with oakland and denver us three greasy and uh and levy and myself and we got to spend a lot of time that summer you know uh traveling around training camps you know in order to see both denver and oakland we did a couple practice games so we we were able to kind of spend some time with each other outside of you know being in a booth and I mean, look, we're, we're just th- three dudes who love football. Brian and I played, even though Steve didn't. I mean, he's been a lifelong Monday night, you know, guy. He's been a lifelong, you know, broadcaster. So it, it just everything, just to be honest with you, it was just easy. I mean, we're 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 just three guys who really. It's easy for us to kind of get along and talk about the game and make it about the game and not about ourselves. And so this year, I think coming out of the gate because we had that familiarity. Um, that's why I think you you've heard some some easiness or rather you've heard some fluidity as far as us being able to get in and out of plays and talk about things in a in a pretty seamless way without there being a whole lot of stepping on each other because we've had some practice doing it we naturally just kind of get along with one another and obviously there's always areas for areas of improvement obviously I mean it's not always smooth there's there's always a lot of communication behind the scenes that you don't see on TV or hear on TV but we, we work through that and we're continuing to work through that and, and trying to make the broadcast as, as conversational, as an informative as possible. And, and I think the thing that, that we have all as a group have decided is that, you know, we want to make sure that the game remains the focal point and because that's what fans really want to want to see. They want to see the game and we don't try to make it too much about, you know, our own personalities and, and trying to, 
you know, dwarf the game. And, and I think that when, when you do that, people recognize it and they, and they appreciate it. And at the same time, they want to hear that, you know, you, you know what the heck you're talking about and can teach them something. And I think we, you know, Brian and I naturally are that way because of the positions that we played, you know, him being a quarterback and me being a safety. And, and Steve is just, Steve's naturally a good orchestrator of it all and has that, that voice that everybody's familiar with. So it just, it just seems to work. And, and um, you best believe that we're putting in the time to make it as good as we can possibly make it every weekend. Uh, we have great producers, great directors, great support staff, man. I mean, we have some whizzes as far as people who put together highlight stuff and, and graphics and next gen stats. So it's a big deal, man. It's a big production every week, especially trying to do it in this environment, you know, and, but we love it because we, we, we like the challenge because then to succeed in this environment really makes you feel good about your professionalism and how you're doing it. And we wouldn't want it any other way. Well, we'd like to have fans. Let me put it that <laughs> We'd like to have fans. We'd like for it not. But, um, but, I, but one of the things I, I know that I talked about, you know, like in one of the first meetings we all got together was like, that everything is really is set up for it to be difficult this year. And a lot of people would be like, oh, damn, that's – man, I, I pity you. But I was like, uh-uh. I, I kind of I, – I like the challenge of it being, you know, more difficult because it's going to make it even sweeter when we put in the time and we succeed. And so far, so good. We've got a long way to go, and that's not just lip service because we do, but we're excited about the challenge. That's for sure. We're attacking it every week. I, I will say this, Lewis, you know, it's been it's been encouraging just to like one hear your answer and then especially see how you guys handled the home opener for Las Vegas last week and just how enjoyable it was. And I remember, like you mentioned, you know, last year's, you know, Monday night kickoff with you, Steve, and you know, Brian in Oakland and just the energy that you guys sort of fed off that, you know, wild Oakland crowd on their last mm-hmm. sort of primetime game. So it's it's a bit of a bummer that perhaps the NFL's best game this year, Chiefs-Ravens, will not be in a similar sort of atmosphere because I think those Baltimore Ravens fans are, are pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, thinking about the game, Lewis, and I know you've you've looked at it just like we have and everybody's so excited. The thing that I've always talked to Pat about is particularly with the unscouted looks that you get in the game. And perhaps the Ravens are the best in terms of Pat's career. You know, he's only played them twice. But both times they've kind of given him things that he's had to sort of answer in the moment, which is always fascinating for a quarterback mm-hmm. and understanding your position as a former safety. Just what in, what excites you about what Baltimore may present on Monday night that we all are going to have to see Pat figure out in real time? Yeah, I think it's, you know, to, to answer that question, I think it's it's just that fact. It's the unknown it's the different look. It's the different simulated pressure. It's to show him one thing, give him another thing that, I mean, who knows what, what they could come up with in terms of pre-snap alignment and then come out of it and be playing, you know, in the end, that who knows what that, that could be, what that new wrinkle could be that he will. And, you know, he mentioned the same thing to us in production calls, that unscouted look, you know, who knows what that can be for him. And I think and the thing that he talks about is the fact that, He's more prepared now than he was last year for that. Mm-hmm. He gets more prepared every week than he was the previous week for that kind of thing. That's 
that's what's scary about Pat Mahomes is that a lot of this stuff that he's doing, he's doing against stuff that he hasn't seen before. And sometimes, you know, like early on in his career, and I say early on, and this guy's only been playing, you know, starting for three <laughs> years, but early on in his starting career, he would just try to power through it and, and just say, hey, you know what? I have this bionic arm. I'm just going to, I'm going to fit it in there and I'm going to you know, find a way to just make it happen without really making any adjustment because I'm just better than you. Now he's getting to the point where, okay, I think I have an idea of what you're trying to do here in my toolkit, as far as how I can protect myself with a protection call or a route adjustment, this is what I think I, I can, I need to do to counter what you're doing on top of the fact that even if it isn't the ideal adjustment, I still have this bionic arm and I can just, I'm just better than you. So when you think about that, so what, what exactly is the answer to a Pat Mahomes? Is there one? Maybe there isn't. Maybe that's why we're already talking about this guy as maybe being one of the freaking best of all time. That's why this game, that chess match is so cool. And why you're right. If there were more fans, if there were fans here, Oh, what the hell this place would be like i mean i'd be sitting up there probably just jumping up and down myself and having (laughs) a meltdown because that that's the that's that's the kind of game this is you know that's the kind of game this would be in a normal circumstance and even without it if you if you love football you won't care that there's no fans that you will you you i think you have to understand what you're watching here with this young man and with Lamar Jackson, you're watching guys who, for me, I mean, I have da- I have a daughter who's just a few years, a year or two younger than them, which makes me feel old as hell. <laughs> and at the same time, it's I mean, these guys are, and I and the reason I say that is because, I mean, th- those are my children, right? So I think when I talk about them, I talk about them. I say my kids. These guys are young men, but they're kids. They're they're in big grown men bodies, but they're kids, man. Yeah. And they're out there doing stuff that is just ridiculous. And you have to, if that doesn't give you goosebumps and make you go, man, we cover the greatest damn sport in the world, then I don't know what will. And that, and as a broadcaster, I mean, I'm like sick that I have to wait until Monday. I mean, I'm like, let's just get (laughs) this thing going. Let's get, because I mean, I talked to Lamar this morning. You know, for a for a piece we're doing for Monday Night Countdown, I talked to Pat on the on the player calls. And I'm just like, man, do I have to watch any more tape? Can we just play the game? <laughs> you know? So it's going to be cool, man. I mean, we, we are all lucky. We are all lucky to be able to watch these guys and these teams go at it. You know, Lewis, I'm really glad you brought up Mahomes calling out protections and his mental development. That's something that gets overlooked when you're chucking the ball 60 yards down the field off one mm-hmm. foot. Um, people don't see how much he's developed, like calling out protections this year and taking some of the things that he didn't see previously. So I appreciate that. I, I got to shift it over. So I love Chris Jones, just full disclosure. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're walking into a Chris Jones zone here. I So obviously Jones got signed to a big contract this offseason. And so often when I when I talk to people about you and your work and some of the stuff you put on Twitter, I often tell people anytime you talk about the Chiefs, people ought to pay attention because you know quite a few people in the building. Sure. And and if you've got a feeling about a player, 
people should listen, um, such as when you were calling Pat the Ferrari long before anyone else was saying anything. Mm-hmm. So I, I'm curious. So with Chris Jones, they get the deal done. No one thought they could do it. They pulled money out of thin air. Um, they, with them playing the Ravens, you hear talk about Jones, whether he's a fit with the defense sometimes, you know, run defense, this, that, and the other thing. I'm curious yeah. your impressions on Chris Jones. I think he's a destroyer of worlds. I'm just, you know, not to lead you any certain direction. <laughs> and that is the right answer, Lewis. If you could just agree with Seth and we can move on to the next thing. Just confirm my thoughts. I would love it. But I'm curious your thoughts on Jones, his fit, how the team views him, all that. Yeah, look, you know, totally objectively speaking, I think you have to you have to believe what you see with Chris. Okay, and by that I mean this. Can he be undisciplined against the run? Heck yeah. Does he get caught out of gaps? Yeah. Does he gamble? Yeah. Does he sometimes get caught in positions where you're going, what is he doing? And do they pay for it as a, as a result? Yeah. So I think you have, to, you have to accept that, and I think they accept that as far as the run game is concerned. And, look, they have other players in the run game who are probably – better than him and probably more fundamentally sound in, in, in terms of being disciplined and they built their roster accordingly. Okay. So they, they know that that's what they're going to be used for. And Chris may cost them now and then in that regard, but <laughs> Phew. when it's time to <laughs> they also know when Chris is dialed in, he can't be blocked inside. He can't be. Okay, he's all right, he's he's a different body type and a different breed than Aaron Donald. All right. He they do they go about their businesses a different way. But Chris, Aaron, Fletcher Cox, um, DeForest Buckner when it's tuned up and rolling, you know, Cam Hayward, these guys are these guys are freaks, man. And they know they've got one. In Chris Jones, they've got a freak, a guy who is a problem on the in the on the down that everyone really kind of points to as being a critical down in football, that being third down. So they live with some of the things that you do that may cost them on first down, and they'll and they have other guys. I mean, so, that they can put in there. So I think he fits perfectly with what they are trying to get done and what defenses are are trying to get done in the NFL nowadays. Because I'll tell you this. Had he hit the open market, I promise Woo. you the market would have been robust for him. <laughs> yeah. okay? They know that too. And, yep. and with with players like him, you know, you take the good, which is very good, which is great, with the bad in terms of will he cost you sometimes in the run game? And you weigh the options and you go, are we better with him or, with, or without him? Mm-hmm. Well, for damn sure they're better with him. And they pay, and that's why they paid him, and that's why he's still on this team, and that's why he's still on third down. The Ravens better know where he's at. The Ravens better know what the matchup is, and because if not, he'll be making life miserable for number eight. And so they they get it, they get it, and, and I think that's being objective about it. That's being honest about it. Okay, just like. I mean, I know there's been a lot of talk recently about Aaron Donald, right? Is is he? Is he consistent enough against the run? Does he take chances against the run? Do they get creased and gashed sometimes because he gambles? Well, yeah, I'm, I'm sure they do. I also seen Aaron Donald use people like him. 
in bowling pins. <laughs> and also, Donald, you know, beat people so fast. It's like, damn, where'd he go? Yeah. So, and that's why he gets paid 20 million plus a year. So when, yep. when people get hung up on that kind of thing and start going, well, you know what? He's not always, he doesn't always do the right thing. Well, a lot of players don't always do the right thing on the field. Hmm. And Lawrence Taylor didn't always do the right thing for the Giants. You think they ever would have traded him? Ever would have not got, had him on their team? Hell no. These guys are difference makers, and Chris is a difference maker. Simple as that. Yeah. Lewis, you were pretty quick to tell all fantasy football owners, um, <laughs> you should draft Clyde Edwards-Alaire. He's going to be really good. Yeah. An incredible debut against Houston. Um, kind of went under the radar against the Chargers, but, hey, the Chargers play the Chiefs just as good as anybody in the AFC yeah. West. Um, we, we have not seen uh, Clyde really catch a pass within the framework of the Chiefs offense, and I wonder – you know, if Andy Reid and Eric Bieniemy are going to pull some of those plays out on Monday night against the Ravens, just what gave you confidence before we ever saw Clyde Edwards-Alaire in an NFL setting that he was going to be great? And what do you think his, you know, his rookie season is going to be um, once we even get past Monday? Well, at LSU, they used him in multiple different ways in the passing game. And, you know, Joe Burrow used to say that he was one of the best football players he's ever played with, period, regardless of position. And the tape, you know, showed that, I mean, Clyde's that low center of gravity. Look, I I made the comparison to some some of my buddies in the, in the scouting world and to some people who I was just talking to. I said, look, this guy is like, uh, I mean, because of how low and compact to the ground he is, and, and he reminds me of Barry Sanders, the way he moves, the way he has lateral quickness. And he may not be in a straight – he's in a straight line. He's not, he doesn't have the home run speed that Barry did. But that's what he looks like. And people are like, yeah, you know, I, I can see that. And so I thought he would he would transition – very, very well to the NFL. And, you know, Kansas City obviously saw a lot of the same things. I would say in the in the Chargers game, you know, they, they got away from the run a little bit. I, I don't think Clyde didn't – Clyde's production wasn't really a function of the, of him not being able to get it going. I mean, I mean he, he gashed them pretty good right off the bat, and they just didn't stick with it. And I think you will see them stick with it more this game. I think you saw him, you saw some of his potential in the passing game in that Charger game. You know, Pat has spoken about the fact that, you know, Clyde's hands are as good as anybody's on the team. And I think that's going to be a part of his game that grows leaps and bounds every year as far as what they ask him to do in the passing game because he's got that kind of skill where he, he will whip linebackers one-on-one now because he's got the change of direction and the natural pass-catching skills, which is exactly – why I drafted him number one overall, and because Fred Beach is a good friend of mine, and told me, "Yeah, you better go ahead because he's going to get some touches, bro." So I had I had the inside, yeah, uh, as far as how they were going to use him. And um, look, his upside is huge, huge. The coach loves him, the GM loves him, the quarterback loves him. The kid's just good. So you're you're going to see his production, his touches ramp up significantly as you move through the season. Lewis, we'll get you out of here on this one, then kind of looking ahead, kind of from a 30,000-foot view on Monday. I mean, the the Chiefs had that, that game uh, against the Texans where they just kind of went out there and imposed their will. Like, that game never felt terribly tense, right? Never terribly close, even though the score got, at the end got a little closer. And then against the Chargers, goes into overtime. High-stress game, all that. How do you feel about the Chiefs as a whole now with those two data points in this season? And then what do you think it's going to look like on Monday night? Yeah, I think you see a team that, like everyone else, is going to have some ups and downs the first month of the season, especially considering that even though this is 
a, a roster that's intact from last year by and large and a coaching staff that's totally intact, they still haven't played football for a while. And they didn't play against another team until just two weeks ago. So, I mean, you got to cut them some slack as far as whether, you know, if the execution isn't always on point. And with the, the Chargers, look, Gus Bradley has a good feel for Andy as far as what they're trying to get done defensively. And if you watched – if you watched how they played them, especially down the field in the passing game, they were sitting on stuff that they knew was coming because they had so much familiarity with them. I mean, it was like ridiculous how they were, I mean, I, I, especially, you know, a couple of their, you know, their route concepts. I'm going, yeah, these, these teams know each other. Just look at how their secondary is cheating on some of these plays by formation. And then they have two pass rushers that can just destroy any tackle. You know, look, Melvin and Joey are good. And I think by – I mean, they would admit, Mitchell Schwartz and Eric Fisher would admit that wasn't their best performance. So I'm not really, I'm not really you know, stressed about it. I think what you will see is, just like in previous years, Eric and, and Mitchell will get better. Andy will come up with more things to counter teams who have a lot of data on them, and, and he'll have some counters off of that. These guys will start to get into a groove playing actual real tackle 11-11 football. And as long as their team isn't decimated by injury or anything unforeseen with COVID, the Chiefs are going to be right there, man. They're going to be right there in the AFC Championship game again. It's just going to be a matter of who the hell their opponent's going to be. Is it going to be the Ravens? Is it going to be Pittsburgh? Is it going to be New England? You know, or somebody else who kind of pops up. But the Chiefs are good. They're good. So don't get too – I mean, they're, they're 2-0. and it's, it's nice being able to develop and correct your, your wrongs when you're 2-0. And, and when you have 15, number 15 at quarterback and you have Andy Reid as the head coach and the entire coaching staff intact and a burgeoning, you know, a future NFL head coach and Eric Bieniemy on your roster and you have Tyreek Hill and you have Nicole Hardman and you have Sammy Watkins and you have all these guys and you have Tyron and you have Frank Clark, and you got Chris Jones. Yep. It's just like, oh, God, give me a break. You know, they'll, they'll be fine. They'll be fine. I just don't know if they have enough weapons offensively. Yeah, exactly. I'm about it. Oh, I mean, chief, fan, chief fans, I'm not crying for you. Like, oh, poor me. They're not playing that good. Come on. They'll, they'll be fine. They, they, they went fine. into overtime. That's full. We hit the panic button last oh, week. I'm glad you didn't hear that show. I, 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 it was, I can only imagine. I can yeah, only imagine a, they were, that it, some fans were probably sitting there going, they need to cut that guy. You yeah. need some guys in here to work out. You know, yeah. They'll be okay. Andy Reid won. He finally won a ring, and then Andy Reid got he got a little lazy this this yeah, offseason. Exactly. That yeah. was what we all said. Yeah, yeah. he's not <laughs> putting in the time. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. right. <laughs> Lewis, uh, thank you again for the time, Lewis Riddick of uh, of ESPN. We'll be listening for you in the Monday Night Football booth. Looking forward to it. Thanks again for uh, spending some time with us here. Absolutely, guys. Thank you. Great to get to, to spend some time with Lewis Riddick. Uh, again, like I've really enjoyed what they've done so far in the Monday Night Football booth. Uh, Seth, did you get nervous at any point when he was talking about the things Chris Jones doesn't do well? I'm just <laughs> astonished at how great his analysis is, except for when it comes to Chris Jones' run defense. <laughs> <laughs> he came back around. He, no, no, he came back it was, around. It was kind of funny. I used, he was like starting off, and it was remind. And anyone who hasn't seen the Lego Batman movie is going to have no idea what I'm talking about. Wow, this is but so specific. There's guy. a scene there where the person's talking. It's like, but also, wait, what? I really do think, no, that Batman is not, no, what? And it's just like a whole scene. And I really wanted to do that. And I was like, well, I probably shouldn't do that. The Zoom, I don't know if the Zoom connection was going to hold up for it. I was nervous about that the whole time. So yeah, I'm glad you didn't. I, I wanted to so badly because it would have been, been so fun to be like, oh, yeah, that's who they're talking about. Yeah, he is. Wait, 
What? <laughs> no. No. But, I mean, he is right. I do like that he the, the comparisons that he made. It's like, look, no player does everything right all the time. You got guys who are either difference makers or they're not. So it really actually was really, really good analysis. But I'm going to go ahead and reject that. Because, sure. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm pretty sure it goes against some of my previously taken uh, takes. So, uh, yeah. Other than that, it was brilliant, though. <laughs> yeah, other than that one part, yeah. As as long as everybody realizes that the only reason why we got Lewis Riddick today was to make Seth very very Whoa. sweaty for like a I minute. I was getting nervous. I was like, answer. man, am I about to am I about to risk it all and start arguing with Lewis Riddick? Be like, yo, Lewis, Lewis, wait, wait, Lou, Lou, hold up. Did you check the tape? You check the tape. <laughs> I would have walked away. We cannot treat Lewis Riddick like Troy. No. We cannot no. do that. No. That was I the was, one thing. I was about to get dunked on so hard. I was about to risk it all just to get dunked on like Vince Carter did to that French dude at the Olympics. It was going to be brutal. <laughs> I don't know if that guy was French, actually. I think he was. But I, I, It doesn't I matter. He, he, was, he was a non-American was. getting dunked on by yes, USA. That's all. He was dunked on by America. It really was. Just for on America. And that almost happened to me. <sighs> But I think I think you I, he still dunked, but you got out of the way. You weren't on the poster, you know. Oh Which, no, yeah, yeah. Right, no, I right. saw him coming down the lane, and I made a business decision. <laughs> he decision. was he was he was 1987 Michael Jordan, and I was some random insurance salesman white dude yeah. that was just like, I'm gonna get out of the lane because I I'll see what's about to happen here. And I I took a I sat down on the bench. I drank a little water. You know, I had some agua. It was a pretty nice time, actually. <laughs> you got to you got to talk about Patrick Mahomes getting better, you know, pre-snap and all that, though. That was, you know, you guys bonded there. We did um, what, Yeah, so Nate, well, what did you take away from that before we kind of shift gears ourselves and, and look specifically at Monday night? I, I think for me, um, the, the fact that we all know Lewis, and Lewis knows us, and then he also knows the yes. Chiefs. Mm-hmm. And ladies and gentlemen, that's why we got Lewis Riddick today, okay? Um, in front of the jury, he confirmed that he is great friends with yes. Brett Beach. He is great friends with Andy Reid. He is great friends with Patrick Mahomes. Whatever this man says about the Chiefs, like, uh, you know, Seth mentioned earlier, just yeah. listen to him. Just listen to him. He, we, We've been wanting to get Lewis since training camp. And so we appreciate ESPN. Um, and obviously, Lewis taking the time for it. So that's the first thing that I thought of was like, Yep, do what I want you to do, Lewis. Yep, yep. Come on, we talk, we talk. <laughs> Let everybody know. Yes, break that fourth wall. He's great friends with Andy Reid. Okay, mm-hmm. um, he's also good friends of us. So, like, you know, when it's when not this, Seth, not Seth, came, and also not me. Not Seth. Well, less Seth. I would more say us. less Seth, like, less me, more you. <laughs> me, me, but definitely less. Seth. I'm just gonna be. I'm just gonna be frank right now. Um, Trey Aikman, <laughs> um, no. I love I love Lewis Riddick. He is my favorite NFL analyst right now. Um, he's right. We Man. have a ridiculous job that we should all be, you know, very gracious and grateful that we have. Um, it's like Lewis Riddick, Dan Orlovsky, Mina Kimes. I I really appreciate Kevin Harlan because I've talked to him a couple times. Obviously, I got to talk to Joe Buck <laughs> before the Super Bowl. Oh, so. These these are the people that I, I really admire, obviously, because of Lewis, the connection um, with the Chiefs. We just thought it was important. And then ESPN sort of uh, said, hey, let's do it week three of, of you know, Chiefs Ravens. Hopefully it'll be 2-0. That is the case. 
Um, it all it's all gonna work out. But secondly, with with what Lewis said to us, it's just I the the atmosphere that we're just gonna miss on mm-hmm. like on television. I know, I know the. The, the trio is going to do great. I know the production. They like ESPN, ladies and gentlemen, has been waiting since the schedule mm-hmm. came out to make sure that this broadcast mm-hmm. is right, regardless of like the pandemic. But you know, I I I was happy that Lewis mentioned the Raiders, and I know Chiefs fans. I know, I know. But when the Raiders swamped the Broncos on that Monday night game last year, it was very clear to me. Um. This group knows what they're doing in the booth, and they understand the emotion and the moment of, like, I don't know, the Oakland Coliseum having its last, you know, primetime game, and they're meeting the moment, much like we all want to do in this sort of sports media culture world that we live in. But I think, I just wish there were fans there. I'm not going to travel to the game, because, you know, try to stay safe and healthy and all that. But, like, I I just wish it would have been the game that I'm going to reference, I don't know, 8 million times between now and kickoff. The atmosphere in the Los Angeles Coliseum was great. There was obviously an event around that state uh, with the fires. And I know that we're going through that again, that had mm. occurred. And there was all the emotion of the game, not being in Mexico city and obviously coming back to LA and most notably Kareem Hunt's last game in mm. Chiefs uniform. But like there was, there were so many things in that game, and obviously, um, it's the first time in NFL history. Two teams scored 50 points, guys. We could get the same thing on Monday, but without any fans, and that's sad. But hey, uh, at least we know the people that are going to be calling the game are going to do their job at a high level. Uh, I also imagine that the people on the field will be doing their job at a high level, and I, I want to get at least kind of your pulse before we wrap it up here. Um where you guys are at in terms of how you think this is going to end up going or how you're feeling right now as we sit here recording this episode on a Friday. Here's what I'm gonna, I'm you know what I'm going to give you guys a second to to get your answers together. I'll give I'll Yeah, yeah, you I'll give you where I'm at cuz here's the thing. I'm I'm first of all excited cuz this game is like the pinnacle of the sport, I think. Yes. I'm also worried about the Chiefs losing. I have no shame in that because they're playing the Baltimore Ravens and I had I had no nerves about like the Chargers and that game got way closer than I thought it was going to be. And and, and you know, kind of to Lewis's point at the end, this for me is not like are the Chiefs going to knock the rust off in time or anything like that? Um, we, we talked about this um, last episode a little bit earlier of like, you know, oh, well, the Chargers did this, this and this. Yeah, and they also lost, and the Niners kind of did some of the same stuff, and they also <laughs> lost, and the, the team that has Patrick Mahomes is the one that I will ultimately say I think they will win, but the biggest thing is that, you know, with with what the, the Niners and Chargers did, they had the defensive game against the Chiefs where you for, for three and a half quarters or so where you went, man, they look good, and the Chiefs look a little bit out of sync still. I mean, Eric Bieniemy, I think, used that phrase today in his presser. Yeah. Uh, the the difference for me, the reason that I'm a little more nervous uh, from on the Chiefs' behalf here is because the Ravens do have the offense to, to make there be a little bit of a deficit in those first three quarters, to build up the lead that you have to have. Obviously, 10 points isn't enough, but if you can get 17 and you're headed into the fourth quarter, maybe. It's not a foregone conclusion, and, and I'm going to go ahead and say that I think the Chiefs win being forced to like pick the game straight up, but almost nothing would really surprise me within either team winning by like 10. You know, like that, that if you gave me the 10-point either side window, either team winning in a blowout would be shocking to me. Nothing else would be, yeah. and it's also the reason that I'm so excited for this game while also having a little kind of nervous energy for it. Go ahead. Go ahead, Seth. 
There was once a scorpion and a frog. And, no, I'm just kidding. I was gonna, I was gonna really go into it. I was like, I was like, is Lamar Jackson the frog? Yeah, yeah, what are we yeah, doing? I, I wish I hadn't picked the scorpion and the frog. I realized I was gonna make someone a villain. Uh, here's the deal. I, I love this. This is my favorite tweet from all last week. Uh, yes. uh, friend of the show, Ethan Douglas, an analytics dude with the Athletic. He, awesome so he, wor- he works for this company now. Well, <laughs> friend of the show who also is a call, definitely a colleague. It's a great tweet. Go ahead. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Chargers and 49ers have created a pretty clear script for how to play the Chiefs. One, draft the Bosa. Two, have an elite secondary. Three, play cover three. Four, lose anyway because Mahomes. Mm-hmm. And I, I, here's the deal. So I, I've got a lot of feelings about this game, a lot of thoughts. I wouldn't surprise me if either team won. It is interesting to me that the general consensus, at least what I'm seeing, is that the Ravens are favored. And every time I hear it analyzed, I hear a lot of, man, you know what the Chiefs are going to have to do to beat those Ravens. And I can't help but think that that's a little more of a reaction to how these teams play against other teams than how they play against each other. Football's a game of matchups, not necessarily just talent. The Chiefs don't match up particularly well against the Chargers. The Chargers play them better than the Ravens have over the last couple of years. So a couple things. two thousand Something to keep an eye on. 2018, the... The Ravens were able to give the Chiefs some problems and Mahomes some problems with their particular form of, of scheme where they usually send four guys, maybe five, but they stand up a bunch of guys you don't know who they're coming from. Mahomes wasn't ready for it and he got hit a ton in 2018, right? Think about that, then go and watch the 2019 game. Mahomes was ready for it. That stuff bothered him in 2018, not nearly as much in 2019. And the Chiefs were absolutely mollywhopping the, the Ravens going into the fourth quarter. Yeah, thank you. Um... And they, you brought me screaming to a halt. See how I'm just doing all these things. Um, <laughs> so they, they, they were, they were just, they were, they were wrecking them. It was bad. Lamar Jackson threw up a couple of prayers because they played, they played Jackson well too. And for what it's worth, Jackson's developed as a passer as well. So what you have though is their defense did not do a great job against Mahomes. And in part because that scheme doesn't bother him as much anymore. Now we'll see what, it, what happens this time. The Ravens don't have great edge rushers like the Chargers do, like the Niners do. And I don't know if they're going to be able to generate pressure against Mahomes the same way they've been able to the first few weeks against vastly, in one case, a vastly inferior quarterback, in the other case, a vastly inferior team overall. So I think that's where we're going to see a lot of the answer there. Um, They don't... What they do, I don't think bothers Mahomes as much as it bothers other quarterbacks. And that's something there's a lot of people that are basing their opinions on what will happen in this game based on what these teams do against other teams. But looking at what they've done against each other, I understand they got Marcus Peters now, great cornerback, good ball hawk, also prone to making mistakes if he's not careful. I think Peters is going to pick off a pass just for what it's worth. I was going to say, do we want to do a prop bet on will Marcus Peters get a pick? I I think he he picks off. I think he picks one off, but I also think that there are a couple plays where he drifts Mm -hmm. and it ends badly. Um, so it's just a matter of what, what it does. So I, I got a lot of faith in the Chiefs to win this game. I like the fact that they're coming off a bit of a scare. And we'll see how it goes. In either way, no matter what happens, people are going to way, way, way overreact. And I'm totally here for it. Ooh, what? So hold on, Nate. I know you. I know you've been having. You've okay, been saving okay, yourself okay. for the end. So I want to just sneak in on this one, Seth. I think the the idea that this is a game being handicapped by how they look against other teams is a great nugget. I think that's absolutely true. Um, 
I also am, this is where I'm at. Like, I'm scared of 97-year-old Calais Campbell. I understand that. I, I know that's a me problem and not a you problem. Um, and, uh, I don't know. I had something else that I've now completely lost the plot on because I got so distracted thinking about if Marcus Peters picks off Patrick Mahomes, what my Twitter's going to look like. Oh, it's going to look a certain way. It sure is. God, what if Clyde, if Clyde, like, jukes Marcus Peters out of his shoes and maybe socks, I'm going to have to delete my account. Oh, Clyde, Clyde, I know you, I know you listen, Clyde. Clyde, we need this. We need this. We need you. No, no, not a stiff arm. Or, or not, 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 not a juke. We need you to stiff arm Marcus Peters into oblivion. And Marcus, I got a lot of respect for you, Marcus. I think you're a great corner. This isn't about you, Marcus, unfortunately. It's, it's it's not about you, Marcus. It's about Josh. This, this is about Josh. Because if he has a bad tackle attempt, on Clyde oh Edwards Hilaire that leads to like an 80 yard touchdown. You, I, I normally try to not appeal to my worst nature. You say that a lot. I do, and it's always a lie. <laughs> I love giving into my worst nature. I love digging into my worst nature. It feels so good to just like, oh, just yes, just give into that pettiness. And so I'm going to quote tweet you. At least 40 times if that happens. I'll probably get banned from Twitter temporarily. I can only hope. As a troll of some sort. I'm gonna, I'm gonna hack your account again. I mean, for the first time. (laughs) Yeah. Oh man. All right, Nate, give it to us. Okay. I just, I just want to remind everybody. All right. Think about this. If you're a cheese fan, just know this is arguably the first time in the Patrick Mahomes era that nobody's rooting for you. Mm. Okay? Nobody. All right? The Chiefs, from a from a cinematic, theatric component, the Chiefs are obviously the reigning Super Bowl champions. Clearly, they have the best quarterback. Clearly, they have one of the best coaches. As Lewis Riddick mentioned, they got talent anywhere and everywhere. Nobody is rooting for you on Monday night. For the sanctity of the sport, for the balance, the parity that is mentioned over and over and over again, everything is on the shoulders of the Baltimore Ravens because Lamar Jackson does not lose football games, kids, unless he plays Patrick Mahomes with the Kansas City Chiefs. They were supposed to meet in the AFC Championship game. Who knows the end result if they had actually played that game? Most of us, I think all three, would still give the Chiefs the favorite if that game had happened. But the Ravens have put their entire offseason. They have circled their calendar. They drafted Patrick Queen, okay? They got Dobbins, okay? Lamar Jackson is a better thrower, not just in the intermediate zone, but particularly in the red zone. He is knifing people, okay? The entire football galaxy rests on Lamar Jackson, John Harbaugh, and the Baltimore Ravens. No one's rooting for you, okay? If the Chiefs win by 10 points in Baltimore, they will have officially made the NFL as close to anybody can make the NFL, the NBA, where it's like, okay, this is Jordan in the Bulls in the 90s. Okay, this is Steph Curry, who just can't be stopped in the mid-2000s, or this is Shaq and Kobe of the Lakers, and we just have to hope for dysfunction to eat within them, okay? The Ravens are a really good team. 
The league structured this game in a certain way to give the Ravens as much of a benefit as you could, despite a pandemic. This game is in Baltimore, even though the Chiefs must play the hardest schedule in the league. Because guess what, kids? They won the Super Bowl. Um, I just want to remind everybody, the Ravens should win, okay? Like, they should win. I just want to say that one more time. The Ravens should win. They have a dominant offense. Their defense is capable enough to slow down this Chiefs offense. They have just as good a kicker, maybe even slightly better based on reputation and statistical information, than even Harrison Bucker. This is the matchup. Just remember, kids, nobody's rooting for you. And the Chiefs probably know that when they get off the plane in Baltimore on Sunday. Nobody thinks you can win, Patrick. Nobody. Nobody's rooting for you. Okay, so if the Chiefs if the Chiefs win this game, it's not like, hey, Patrick Mahomes just won his first Super Bowl. It's not, hey, oh my God, can Patrick Mahomes make the Tom Brady and Bill Belichick dynasty crumble? Like, like no one. There, there's not a. There's not a. There's a consensus, kids, and it ain't you. <laughs> okay, so just keep that in mind. And for the storyline of the NFL season, this is really the start. Um, everybody figured these two teams would be 2-0. and We're here. The season starts on Monday. And everybody else has just been playing football. And that's cool. But the season <laughs> really starts on Monday. The other thing that I did, I forgot that I forgot, and then remembered that I forgot, was that there's only the one one seed this year. And this game is going to go a very long way in determining who gets a bye in the AFC. I guess there's always only ever been one one seed. But there's only one first round bye for the number one overall seed. Mm-hmm. And uh, That's a big, big deal especially for the ravens i think and man that was such a good point nate like the the chiefs are they've been like the fun story right the fun young team with the with the demigod quarterback and travis kelsey fighting for his right to party and tyree kills faster Mm -hmm. than everyone and frank clark gives the greatest interviews in the world and it's all just I don't don't remind me I'm missing him every oh, week in the oh, locker room. That, that was so seriously and to Frank this day. Knows, to this day. And Frank knows when I ask a question, you better bring it, Doc. And guess what Frank does whenever I ask him a question? Boy, does he bring it. Oh, I miss Frank Clark. That will always be the best interviewing moment in the history of time. Who? Who? And he just they must not know who I am. And like the he actually backs up just a little bit, like, well, a lot of people were saying that Frank. It's like, that's right. You just give that ground. But they're going from that where everyone's like, oh, they're so excited. They're happy for Andy Reid. And it's kind of fun. They have a chance to become the villain here. And I've written about that a few times. They have a chance to be the team that everyone hates. I'm tired of Mahomes. I'm tired of... And I'm seeing that a little bit more on Twitter these days. Like, well, if Mahomes did this, everyone would would, would be talking about it. You know, it's like a Sam Darnold throw, which I'll be it. I actually retweeted that one. That was a good throw. It was a great that, throw. That was yeah. awesome. <laughs> good for you, Yeah, he's also, they're, also down, they're yeah. also down by a couple possessions, and he plays yeah. for the Jets. So, yeah, that, sometimes that's how yeah. that works. Don't it's tell, like, that's why hey, no don't tell Chiefs it. fans about, about team highlights not making yeah. the NFL. NFL Twitter account. All right, we've been there. Chill. Yeah, yeah. Jamal Charles' entire <laughs> career should have made the NFL. So yeah, don't, don't don't start with us on this. But this it's this close. And let's be honest. Part of it is because as a fan base, and I say this in the most loving, proud way possible, we have been obnoxious about this Super Bowl win because it was 50 years in the making, and that's it. So that's a great byline there, where it's like. The the NFL wants the Chiefs to lose. They do. They, yes. they need the league is it's an NFL schedule loss. It's like <laughs> come on. Look, 
I, I'm never going to say that the Chiefs are going to go undefeated. I get that. And, and I'm going to let Seth finish his point. But think about this. I picked the team to go 12 and 4. Uh, guys, this was the first mm-hmm. loss on the schedule. Okay. Like, I'm not going to, like, I'm not trying to fault y'all. I'm not, I'm not dissuading my faith and confidence in the team from like a, you know, an ethical, objective, you know, standpoint, much like Lewis Riddick. But like, still, if they lose on Sunday, Chiefs fans, do not be shocked. Okay. Baltimore. Really, really good. Mm-hmm. This is just act one, kids, because we're going to see it in January if all things stay true to form, whether that's in the divisional round or whether that's in the AFC championship. I, I, I completely believe that. I'm interested, a little, little, little interested in the Steelers. You know, they mm-hmm. also got to play Baltimore twice. But I'm just saying, like, hey, for now, this is just this. This just the party. This just the battle. <laughs> the war is in January. And this is set up for the league to tell you. We gonna get to January, but first, mm-hmm. who in the world can beat the Chiefs in September? Mm-hmm. Look, look, let me let me ruffle through paper. Oh God, I mean, <laughs> maybe Lamar in Baltimore, maybe put it in week three on Monday night. Got it. Oh, that's awesome. That's seriously, that's awesome. That's all I have to add to that. So you guys, As you know, I don't stick. I don't stick landings. So <laughs> that's true. That's true. Uh, all right. Well, you guys, do you guys have the Ravens then? Yeah. Ravens by twenty. Yes, <laughs> I, I've got the I've got the Chiefs. I've got the Chiefs by a touchdown. Who has the ball last? Yeah, because whoever has the ball last has the right kick. Yeah, and that's all. Yeah. Like, like, like it's a it's a kickoff. It's a walk off. It's like I'm just Lord again. I don't ask for much, particularly when it comes to football. But can you just please give us part two of the 2018-54-51 game where it comes down to a field goal? Like, I just, I don't know. Josh, just tell me who has the ball last because that's that that's probably who I'm yeah. thinking. And for both teams also, the field goal range just starts at like 70 It starts yards. at their own 20. It's just like, just, hey. <laughs> Uh, feel feel that kickoff. You take a knee. We're kicking it. We're like, what are you? Yeah, nope. We're we're just gonna kick it. <sighs> well, uh, on that note, uh, we will wrap things up. Thanks again to Lewis Riddick for joining us. You can follow all of us on Twitter at by Nate Taylor at Real MN Chiefsman at JB Briscoe. You can tweet about the show with the hashtag Times Ours. Also, you can go subscribe to the Athletic for a dollar a month right now at theAthletic.com slash Times Hours or uh, theAthletic.com slash Times Hours. Uh, enjoy Monday night. We'll be back on Tuesday to talk about all of that. Nate, I feel like you've given us multiple places to end the show already, but I'll let you do it again. Just remember, kids, it's going to be a walk-off. Just just, just understand that like your heart's going to be pumping, and it's going to be great. And like, don't care. Like, I know you want to care about the result. Just enjoy it, because like, it's going to be incredible.